Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and this is NPR News. Thanks for joining us. I love hearing about people who reinvent themselves. My guest today is someone who's seen success in sports and is now devoting his life to helping young people find success in whatever their gifts are. His name is Leo Lewis III, and he has a long list of titles. He is royalty in the St. Paul Winter Carnival. Leo is the current King Boreas. He'll step down in two weeks when the next king is announced. But today, he's still the king, and he is here in the studio with me this morning. Nice to see you, Leo. Thank you for coming in. Angela, thanks so much for inviting me. It's been great. And uh, I tell you what, the next two weeks are still fun-filled, and we've been doing it for 12 months now. Right. But yes, all the activities of the of the, the members of the, the royal family of the Winter Carnival. But thank you for the weather. I yeah. mean, I was worried. Not only did we not have snow on the yeah. ground, it wasn't even cold until now. Right. Well, right? I, I, I consider it a, uh, it's been winter for two months because I haven't been able to play any golf. <laughs> So that's, that's called. Everything. So I consider it still winter. All right. Well, a little bit more about Leo Lewis for our listeners. You might hear some folks call him Dr. Lewis. Then that is because he has a doctorate degree in kinesiology from the University of Minnesota. He's also a Hall of Famer after playing football for the University of Missouri. He played professionally in the NFL for 13 seasons, including 11 as a wide receiver with the Minnesota Vikings. And he has spent another dozen years with the Vikings in their front office as a pro scout and director of player development. And Leo held a similar role with college athletes at the University of Minnesota as an associate athletics director. Currently, Leo is the principal at Lewis Performance Partners. And you heard me mention he's the founder of the Lewis Sports Foundation, which works on um, or focuses on making youth sports more accessible in Minnesota and teaching kids some valuable life skills. Woo, Leo, as as I was reading through some of your achievements, and even just now, um, I really think about... um, a man who has had quite a life and, and continues to carry himself with such dignity, but also joy. I, I run into you frequently at community events, and you always have a big smile on your face. And so I, I kind of want to know, what do you think it is that enables you to to carry yourself with such kindness and confidence? You know? Well, i tell you what, uh, you know, I, my career, professional career spans about 45 years. And all along, I've, I've looked back and I've said, and I've had the ability to be intentional, to be able to establish a career around my passion. Um, and that was built uh, early on in my life by my parents, who were both educators. And um, thank goodness it's really flourished. And uh, as I get toward the end of that career, I, I always want to reflect back on some of those ideals and values that really kind of carried me through. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was built. My career was built for this King Boreas, and it was built for education. And certainly it was built for the whole uh, notion of uh, creating a pathway for young folks uh, to hopefully follow me in in this whole path of what I say are um, uh, two of them, parallel paths, sports and education. Mm. And a lot of people may not know uh, with the title of King Boreas uh, that the activities that come with that take you around the state, around the country. Yeah. Uh, tell us what King Boreas uh, and, and other members of the, the royal court yeah. for the Winter Carnival, what do you do all year? Well, that's good. That's a good question. You know, King Boreas is the lead ambassador for the St. Paul Winter Carnival. 
Uh, I have with me 17 other folks in, in what we call the royal family. I have a queen. I have a chief of staff called the prime minister. We have four princesses and uh, uh, four escorts called the prince. And they represent uh, areas in St. Paul. Certainly. Uh, we had the Royal Guard and we have a, a person called Klondike Kate, who was just crowned. The new Con- Klondike Kate was just crowned last night. Oh, yes. I have a note. Uh, yeah. Last night, eight women competed uh, for the role in the contest. The winner and the next Klondike Kate is Jody Vanderhart of Vatness Heights. Congratulations, uh, Jody. Uh, and apparently you can catch her singing and providing some sassy entertainment at the Winter Carnival events. So that just happened last night. Yes. And, you know, our uh, Klondike Kate, uh, Marit Bidlin. Uh, just relinquished her uh, role last night, and um, it was in a glorious time because she got the chance to sing and to introduce and and support some of the people that are in our royal family for 2023. We're not done, but uh, at the same time, we're going through a lot of these farewells right now, mm-hmm. and all of us are stepping down, and uh, ultimately, it would be the queen and the king stepping down uh, at what we will call the uh, 138th year of the uh, St. Paul yeah. Winter Carnival Coronation. So where do you all travel to uh, over the year? Where do you go to other festivals? Mm-hmm. Well, primarily we are in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We've uh, uh, done most of our work uh, around the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. but we have ventured uh, out state. We've gone to Winnipeg. We've gone to Florida and at um, Georgia. And um, we do venture across the uh, the river to Wisconsin quite a bit. But uh, primarily, we are representatives of the city of St. Paul, and we want to make sure that the Twin Cities uh, sees us much more readily than than uh, uh, other areas of the state. And uh, how do you get picked? How does one become King Boris? Well, I'm the one that uh, my role is uh, suggested. Uh, it's not picked through a... Uh, a, 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 a process, right. um, but uh, King Boreas is the one that is the lead ambassador. So I I hold a lot of the financial uh, responsibility um, in this. Uh, most of us are volunteers. Uh, mm-hmm. We have people with the St. Paul Festival and Heritage Foundation who are um uh, paid staff, and then we have a volunteer board. But uh, all of us are volunteers, and we pay our way to to be in these characters. Uh, and when you mention a royal family, I've done a lot of uh, talk shows about family yeah. relationships recently. I, I did a show on family drama. Behind the scenes, is there a lot of little bit of drama there? You there talk, there are a lot of challenges, and no doubt. And- yeah. <laughs> Um, We all have our own self-interest and our why, uh, meaning why we got into this. I think most of us are uh, in it because we love the the way that, um, you know, the the St. Paul Winter Carnival is received through the Twin Cities. Uh, We do our, you know, our mission is to bring joy and merriment and uh, to really ascribe to the ideals of volunteerism, leadership and community service. And that's how we touch each community, because many of these communities in the Twin Cities and uh, Outstate have their own ambassadors mm-hmm. who really look up to the Winter Carnival royal family to uh, lead on those ideals, those values. All right. As I talk with our, our guest, uh, King Boreas, also known as Leo Lewis III, uh, we're taking your phone calls. Uh, you can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2888. 28. Again, call us at 
6000 or 800-242-28. What questions do you have uh, for Leo about the St. Paul Winter Carnival? What's coming up in the next two weeks? We'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, what about his years with the Minnesota Vikings? What do you want to know about his foundation hmm. that is working to get kids and young people involved in uh, sports and, and educated in life skills? Call us and uh, we'll talk about it. So what can you tell us, uh, Leo, about uh, this year's carnival, the Winter mm-hmm. Carnival? I mentioned begins in two weeks. I think that's January 25th. Yes. Uh, what do people need to know as they start planning their um, events? Mark our calendars. For right. Them. Well, uh, you know, most of the events during the Winter Carnival are going to be in the city of St. Paul. There's mm-hmm. there other events in the outskirts of, uh, of the city. But I, I think it's really incumbent of us to understand that the new royal family is going to carry on that torch of uh, the whole value-oriented uh, approach to why we have this. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, certainly volunteerism and leadership take a lot of time, uh, but, it, but, but it's time that is invested. And uh, the royal family, again, are all volunteers, and, and they do this on their own dime and on their own time. And there's a big and, coronation that people can attend. Yes. yes. Uh, initially, the coronation really is to uh, introduce the new princesses and the queen, and above all, the new king. Mm-hmm. And um, the other uh, members of the royal family, including our senior royalty and our junior royalty, have already been named and uh, are ready for, for work. So uh, the Winter Carnival is really there to, um, uh, you know, parlay our interests, but then also to showcase the new family across the city. Uh, I remember uh, when I first moved here uh, 30 years ago in 1994 and uh, going to the Winter Carnival for the first time. And I was like, what is happening? Ice carvings, snow sculptures. What? Uh, Really a celebration of winter weather Mm -hmm. and uh, the beauty of snow and ice. So we can look forward to the ice carvings and snow Sculptures. Now that we know, it looks like it'll be cold enough. For them yes, to- of course. But there's a lot, a uh, lot of other activities going on just for everybody. I think there'll be something for everyone to enjoy. Certainly, there's some outdoor activities, but there also are some in, uh, indoor activities. You know, Rice Park and the Landmark Center are the mm-hmm. base of uh, where most of the activities are. But Ooh. then we'll have two parades. We'll have the Grand Day Parade, which showcased the royal family uh, on Saturday, the first Saturday, and then at the end of. Uh, the uh, Winter Carnival uh, on the next Saturday is going to be the Torchlight Parade. That's fun. And then uh, I see the snow sculpture. It's usually at the State Fairgrounds. It will be at the State Fairgrounds again uh, beginning on the 26th. Uh, and you can can watch teams carving the, the snow. Uh, and then the ice sculpture, again, that runs, uh, I have here, from the 25th until Saturday the 27th. That's also a contest that's fun uh, to see who wins yeah. those sculptures. And then the indoor activity that I, I remember, the cat show. Yeah. is the big cat show. <laughs> At, uh, I believe at, R- at River Center. Uh, what is up with the, the, the St. Louis City Cat Show? Why do you think that is so popular? Well, I, I, I think it's because you get a you get to showcase uh, a variety <laughs> of um, cats, certainly. But I think it's incumbent that the, the, the Winter Carnival and the Royal Family participate in their own way. Um, but there also is a dog show and there are other types of shows, uh, certainly. I would suggest that people... Connect on Facebook, uh, on the website, the the St. Paul Winter Carnival website to get an understanding about all the activities that are going to be there for the the 10 days. And by and large, the the, uh, royal family is so busy. I, I would suspect we go to about 70 events 
during mm-hmm. the 10 days. Well, I'm happy to see celebrations just in general, but yeah. particularly, you know, during um, January when it, you know, it can be cloudy and dark and cold and people, I just did a show about the winter blues. Yeah. It is nice to have something to look forward to and, and to be outdoors and in community with other people. So it cre- creates this connection because we do see people drive from all over the region to come to the of carnival. Course. Well, that was the original intent. Uh, local businessmen wanted to, uh, uh, you know, uh, discount the whole notion that this was a Siberia uh, in, during the winter and mm-hmm. to, to create more interest in St. Paul and uh, the winter wonderland of the seven hills of St. Paul. Uh, they got together to create this festival to, uh, you know, certainly uh, showcase uh, the area, but then also to, to bring people together. We're talking to Leo Lewis, who's also known as King Boreas with the St. Paul Winter Carnival, uh, about his uh, career and about his time with the Winter Carnival. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Leo, um, I know you're aware of this. Uh, A gentleman named Art Blakey Jr. was the first black man to be Mm -hmm. named King Boreas in 2010. He was a Ramsey County Sheriff's deputy and a police chief for the Minnesota State Fair. But if you look back through the photos, the history of the Winter Carnival, royalty over the years, uh, the, the members were overwhelmingly white mm-hmm. uh, St. Paulites. So what has it been like for you to step into this long tradition as a black man? Well, I tell you what, it, it was one of my interests to be able to, uh, uh, you know, tell people what I do, but then also be involved in this what I believe is a, uh, a subculture of celebration that um, uh, probably does need to be more inclusive. And uh, knowing that we have such a rich history of diversity in St. Paul, I felt incumbent of it to uh, be involved, uh, to really showcase what I do, which is a, a, a you know, a profession that involves um, uh being inclusive, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. And, you know, certainly education and sports are c- certainly two capacities where you see a lot of that played out. Let's take a phone call from a listener. Uh, again, we're talking to King Boreas from the St. Paul Winter Carnival. You can talk to him also. Give us a call, 651-227-6000. In St. Paul, uh, Jesse is listening this morning. Hi, Jesse. What did you want to share with us about the Winter Carnival? Hi, Angela. Hi, Leo. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that one of my highlights is looking for the Winter Carnival medallion. Yeah, It's a great way to kind of beat, you know, cabin fever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The medallion hunt. So have you actually in the past, Jesse, gone out and and have you followed the clues and looked for the medallion? Uh, Yeah, since I was a little kid. And they found it in a diaper. I think it was like in (gasps) Cherokee Park or something. Oh. Years ago. Oh, yeah. And so the clue uh, published in the Pioneer Press each year, and then um, they, it gets a little bit more detailed uh, each year, I, as I recall. And uh, mm-hmm. how did what was your strategy? What was your approach, Jesse? How did you do it? The treasure hunt? Well, you know, as a little one, it was daunting. It was, you know, very overwhelming to kind of figure out the clues. But mm-hmm. they also seemed a little more straightforward at the time. Yeah. Um, but now... You know, as time goes on, you learn the history of the parks, and um, there is um, many different ways to kind of decipher the clues. Yep. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, like as hive minds, as friends, getting together as a group and going through the history and um, getting to know the parks and visiting the parks 
Mm-hmm. during the summer and yeah it's fun it's a lot of fun yeah and I, I mentioned you know this can be a great way to sort of beat the the, the winter blues and cabin fever did you find that to be uh true jesse when you were little and even now yeah it's great it's kind of magical i never mm-hmm. expect to find the tre- you know the medallion but it um it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jesse, for reminding me about that. Yes, the treasure hunt I have here in my notes starts on Sunday, January 21st. And again, each day a clue revealed in the Pioneer Press. Is that yeah. correct? Um, what do you think of that? Have you Did you participate or what? You know, Well, I, I haven't participated in that because I've been so busy. Uh, uh, I think the royal family just is really doing more <laughs> ambassadorship right. than to, to get into the fun and, and frolic. But, you know, this is an artifact-driven uh festival uh you know we talk about the king's coin you know and the history of the coins and the history of the buttons and and the Mm -hmm. bling that that people crave and want to showcase and at the same time um we have these locations in saint paul that are really fun to participate in and you may not ever go to this place uh Unless you were participating in the medallion hunt. So yes. it gets people out in teams looking and exploring uh, parks and outdoor mm-hmm. uh, public spaces. Uh, a great idea. Again, that starts, uh, we'll start looking for those clues on the 21st. Uh, let's take another phone call uh, in St. Paul as we talk about the St. Paul Winter Carnival. Uh, this is Heather on the phone. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call today. So what did you want to uh, share with us about the Winter Carnival? Yeah, so my name is Heather Friedley, and I've been a professional snow sculptor, um, sculpting snow at the Winter Carnival for the past 13 years. And I always appreciate the beautiful Winter Carnival and all the events. And I also want to remind people that the St. Paul Vulcans put on the snow sculpting part, and that's going to be at the end of the month. And please Mm -hmm. come and visit us. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Heather, how does one become a, a professional snow sculptor? Um, so I always enjoyed playing in the snow as a kid and I am a professional artist, uh, uh otherwise. And so mm-hmm. somebody invited me to sculpt with them one year and I've been hooked ever since. I've been doing it for over 15 years now. Are you participating, uh, this year? Uh, you have plans to, to sculpt something and compete this year? Yeah. So, uh, I work with my team. Uh, its name is Team Quay and we're the only, um, all indigenous snow sculpting team in North America. Oh, good. Oh, my goodness. And so can you share with us like the uh, ideas that you have for what you're going to sculpt this year or is it, it a secret? Uh, it's not a secret. We usually try to draw on our family's Anishinaabe heritage, and so we're doing a scene of uh, Nanabuju and his brother paddling a birch bark canoe on the River of Souls, which oh. is the Milky Way galaxy. Oh, wow. And Heather, were you concerned about the weather? I mean, it just, just now got kind of cold. Uh, were you concerned leading up to you know the, the forecast today about the weather cooperating? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. But the one thing about our snow sculpting event is that they do manufacture the snow. And so I always knew as long as it was below zero, we would have snow for the sculpting Mm -hmm. part. Now, the part I do worry about is if it gets too warm while we're sculpting, because that makes it extra challenging for getting those finer details that we love to wow people with. (laughs) All right, Heather, we will look for you and and, uh, good luck uh, in the snow sculptures this year at the Winter Carnival. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate hearing uh, the people that come here. And I know we've had... uh, competitors uh, come from other parts of the country to compete in the of ice course. carvings and the, the snow sculptures. And then isn't there also like like a big slide that people could come down? There's like a... Um... Historically, they do have a snow slide. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And, you know, we have <laughs> the, uh, visiting dignitaries from some of the locations around the country as well as in uh, Winnipeg uh, so, uh, that come and visit us. Uh, and likewise, we return the favor sometimes to go visit their festival. Uh, you, you know, you had mentioned something about uh, the drama that goes on. And uh, certainly we have... Guessing. 
lesson. We certainly we have challenges <laughs> with our, um, uh, uh, you know, getting everybody in the right place and on the right page. But the mm-hmm. the good drama is in uh, we haven't mentioned yet are the other subgroup, the Vulcans, who present the challenge of keeping winter around and and certainly they are uh, stars of the show as well yes they are and you know <laughs> the they've got crew. different colors they're they have different demeanor and and so king boreas and volcanics rex are uh uh rivals, combatants and right? rivals and mm-hmm. and so we do a lot of the bantering during this winter carnival as well as uh throughout the year um and when you were accepting the title were you thinking about like how am I going to interact with the Vulcans? Was that, was that yeah. a concern, or did, was that you know you point to a, an interesting uh, approach? Uh, you know, King Boreas is actually groomed and trained uh, uh, several months before the Winter Carnival. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he has been mentioned, and uh, this Boreas is going to be prepared for the bantering with uh, the new <laughs> Volcanics Rex, as well as to be able to manage the other 17 members of the royal family, and uh, and, and in some respects to understand um, his role, in this case, his role in uh, the setting mm-hmm. that uh, we encounter. Um, I want to talk more about your your childhood experiences and your football career. Okay. But beginning with uh, you growing, you grew up in Missouri, and uh, you now live in Eden Prairie. But your family has some deep St. Paul roots. Yes, uh, tell me how you first got to know St. Paul. Well, I tell you what, and and uh, and understanding that you know my dad grew up in St. Paul, um, that was one of the, the the greatest approaches to me understanding why I should take this role as King Boreas because I wanted to really. Uh, embark on the importance of uh, my family legacy here. Uh, actually, my grandfather brought uh, 11 children to St. Paul uh, from Des Moines, Iowa, and um, they settled in the Rondo area, which which is which is now considered still the Rondo area. Mm-hmm. And you know, he had one of the the few. Uh, respectable jobs uh, in the 1930s and 40s for an African-American. He was a barber. Uh, actually, his barber shop was on the corner of what was Rondo and Kent Avenue. Uh, and his name was Leo Lewis. So that's why I'm the mm. third. And my dad grew up in St. Paul and went to Old Marshall High School, which is off of Holly Avenue. And uh, it was a high school all the way up until 1953. And became a middle school. Uh, some of his siblings went to the school when it was a middle school. Now it's a Obama Elementary School. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And so the the location is still there. Uh, but my dad was an all city football and basketball player. Uh, became a college all American football player at Lincoln University, which is the closest historically uh, black mm-hmm. institution uh, here from Minneapolis. And uh, certainly played professional football and was drafted in the NFL by the old Baltimore Colts, which are now in Indianapolis. But the best interesting story <laughs> that uh, I have is that he was a teammate of uh, Bud Grant, who was uh, our local icon, who legendary who, coach. uh, coached the, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the time. He coached my father for 10 years, and then that was before he came down to Minnesota to coach the Minnesota Vikings. And lo and behold, he would coach me for several years as well. Is that how you became a, a Minnesota Viking? Is that was part of the connection? You know, it was. Uh, I had 
played two years before I came to Minnesota. So my dad, uh, you know, considering I was cut three or four times before I even started my career with Minnesota, uh, he thought it might be good to, to contact Bud to see if he would give me a chance. Actually, Bud cut me too <laughs> before I, I hung on there. But, um, so, so we have some really good roots here. And, and lo and behold, I found out that dad, my father's college football coach, was Dwight Reed, who was a St. Paul native as well at Lincoln University. And Dwight Reed played for the Minnesota Gophers. He was one of the few black players uh, for the University of Minnesota in the 1930s. And he played on two of their national championship teams. So, um, and Dwight Reed could not play in the NFL because it was during that time that the NFL banned African-Americans in, in the in their league. So do you feel it sounds like you had so many wonderful people surrounding you pouring a lot into you? Mm-hmm. Um, and is that part of what you're trying to do now is 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 pour a little yeah. bit of what you have have gained over your lifetime into young people? today of course your foundation starting yeah foundation. and you know certainly it started with my parents certainly uh, both of them were educators my mother was a physical education teacher actually before she right. passed away early in her life and uh, those ideals that I grew up with uh, you know uh, being mentored by them really set the foundation for me to understand how special it was to be in a position uh, as a professional football player as an educator um, so my passion was uh, struck really early as um, as I pursued uh, education, um, certainly higher education. And lo and behold, being a professional football player at the same time, I considered that this might be good to un- uh, get young people to understand the value of education, the value of uh, citizenship, the value of um, participating in their communities and to give back uh, when they have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the impetus in me um, starting my foundation. But uh, it was also the impetus of me uh, creating a uh, academic pursuit in sport and physical activity. Yeah, because you went, you continued on in college and got a yeah. PhD in kinesiology, yes. which is has something to do with muscles, right? Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's really the study of human movement. movement. So there's okay. there's several <laughs> sub-disciplines within that. I, I just happen to be in the behavioral sciences, so I, I do some sports psychology. I teach a sociology of sport course at the U, and I've been doing that for 12 years. And we look at culture as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the culture of sport really is a mirror to our own culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's really a great examination that uh, I get into every year. The culture of sports. All right, Leo, I'm going to pause you for minute because I want to take another phone call from a listener. Uh, if you're just joining us, I'm talking with King Boreas of the St. Paul Winter Carnival, Leo Lewis III. He's also a former Minnesota Viking and the founder of the Lewis Sports Foundation. And we're taking your phone calls about a lot of things. Uh, what questions yeah. do you have for Leo about the Winter Carnival, about his time with the Vikings, about his foundation that is working with young people? You can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Uh, we have a listener calling in from Minneapolis, a uh, uh, Lindsay Lewis. Lindsay, might you be related to Leo Lewis the Third? Yes, that's my dad, and I just <laughs> wanted to call in to say um, how exciting it has been this year. I've learned a lot about the Winter Carnival, but just how proud I am of you of everything that you do. You know, since you know growing up, the Lewis Sports Foundation has been a part of our our daily daily life, and um, I'm so proud of you. 
Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> so, so it looks like the the whole family was involved in um and what and 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 working with community members or how do you think you've benefited from your dad's values, Lindsay? Oh yeah, I mean I think. You know, growing up, I, I played sports, and so we were always involved in helping out with the camps that he put on, and, um, you know, it was always part of our kind of summer program, you know, helping with the golf tournaments and fundraising, and so just kind of giving back to the community has always been something that he's highlighted and, and something that he's instilled in me and my sister, and yeah, hope to continue that legacy, so. Yeah. And, and what are your thoughts about him traveling the state as King Boreas? <laughs> oh yeah, it has been a ride for him. It's been it's been interesting, kind of being a you know on the outside and kind of seeing what he's had to do, but you know, and learning all about all these like community um, you know parades that get put on that I really didn't know about, and so it's it's fun to see that it's far reaching and there's a lot of community involvement in a lot of these um, these parades. That's been cool to, to cool to watch. And then, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, I remarked how, you know, whenever I see, uh, I want to refer to him as Dr. Lewis, because a lot yeah. of people in the community call you Dr. <laughs> Lewis. I'm always just amazed. He always has a smile on his face. He's always very calm. Um, yeah, is, is that what always. you saw as a dad? Just like this, this, this calmness and kindness? Yes, always, always goofy. The one to, no, I didn't to say goofy. The <laughs> I did not say goofy. Your daughter said you were goofy. Sense I didn't of humor. Say I think he's, she's talking uh, about a sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but um, yes, always has a smile on his face. For but sure. but very clear that he, you know, what did you as his daughter? I, I imagine you maybe you felt some pressure to achieve, or, or what do you think it is that he is instilling in the young people that he is meeting now, who are not his kids and grandkids, but clearly he he feels a connection to. Right. What do you think he's trying to right. teach them? I think a lot of it is is going kind of beyond sport and really having something to fall back on, and in, in mm-hmm. education and leadership and uh, you know all of those things too. So I never feel like I felt the pressure to, to necessarily achieve particularly athletically because there was all these other things that he, you know, harped on too. So, um, you know, education being really important, but also again, like those leadership skills and, and having skills to be a good person outside of athletics. Right. All right. Well, Lindsay Lewis, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. It was good to talk to yeah. you. Wow, lucky too, man. That is surprising. Thank you so much. I left that title out. Your dad. How how many children do you have? I have two daughters and I am so proud of them. You you think that I've achieved things. They have been miraculous. Um, you know, Lindsay was a an all state high school player in both soccer and lacrosse and then went on to um University of Minnesota and, and then went to the Went to George Washington University Medical School. So she's a physician here in the Twin Cities. Oh, and then my. her older sister, Lauren, did the same thing and uh, is a physician in Hartford, Connecticut right now. So um, so daddy was making people study. Well, I, I tell you what, <laughs> I, again, I, and I and I do this uh, with with any young person. Um, just show them the way, you know, be a good model. Um, get people to understand what it takes to be successful in whatever endeavor you have a passionate for and um, make sure. And, and we do this through our foundation, make sure that they have the resources to, to do just that. And um, there's a dearth of, of resources for young people, mm-hmm. uh, particularly physically active people. Our mantra for my foundation is uh, supporting active youth. And uh, it's not just about sports. It could be band. It could be, you know, the speech concert or whatever. You know, I think most of the time we we 
don't want to focus just on physical activity, although I feel it's very important. Uh, there's other ways that uh, our youth can express themselves and and create their own path uh, outside of school. Let's uh, take a phone call from a listener in Lakeville. Uh, John is on hold. John, thank you for waiting. And what did you want to ask or share? Well, I, I just want to thank Leo Lewis for one of the fondest memories uh, <laughs> I have. I'm, I'm a Mizzou graduate, Leo. Uh-huh. Uh, I wonder if you remember November the 18th, 1978. Well, that's probably, that was the game against Nebraska where you guys came back. Yeah. And I will never forget uh, the run by James Wilder. Thank you very much. And Leo, I should note, you're in the, um, uh, thank you, John, for calling in. You're in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Yes, For yes. your career uh, playing for the University of Missouri uh, as a, a wide receiver yeah, at that time? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And, and, and interesting enough, I was inducted the same time that my dad was. Oh. And he was, uh, you know, certainly not, not only a student athlete there, but oh. also a coach at Lincoln. And he met my mother there and um, coached with uh, Dwight Reed, who I mentioned before, yeah. who was also from St. Paul, and uh, certainly became a legendary uh, intercollegiate athlete, too. So John is asking about a game against Nebraska. So this yeah, is a big that was, yeah, Missouri and Nebraska <laughs> at the time when we were part of the Big 8 conference uh, had an intense rivalry. And that, that game that we were able to come back in Lincoln, Nebraska, come back and defeat uh, the, the, the Cornhuskers was also the, the game that put us into the Liberty Bowl. And we ended up uh, playing in the Liberty Bowl that year as well. So uh, fond memories, although they're becoming much more distant than years. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad he brought it up. What did you learn uh, on the football field that has turned into a life lesson for you? Because, you know, after yeah. you played uh, for the Vikings, you stayed with the Vikings working with athletes uh-huh. and you were a scout and you worked in development. Like, what did, what did you learn that you've been able to share with other players? You know, the greatest uh, lesson that I had was that um, you have to have resilience. You have to have you have to be persistent. Oh, two you know, of my, my favorite words. Of course. Resilience I mean, and persistence. Yes. Tell me I, more. I, because, Tell me because of my stature. You know, mm-hmm. I played in, at, at the at the height of five eight and you just don't see that often you're and five eight it, yes i'm five eight <laughs> okay there I you don't go belong on a football field no you don't no, yeah, not even don't. as a cheerleader so it was uh it was something that was with it certainly has been with me all my life in that i was always considered an underachiever but i overachieved and um high school i was a high school quarterback and you know we won the state championship in missouri my senior year as uh as a quarterback i went to the university of missouri and and started there for three years. Um, you know, certainly I had a, a rigorous uh, professional career, but still it lasted 13 years. And 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 finally, I think uh, the persistence piece is certainly equated to my educational success. You know, I was I was just an average student, and uh, lo and behold, found a passion in studying sport, particularly studying the legacy of black athletes in this country, and you know, made that a, a, a passionate uh, inquiry in in the scholarship area, and became uh, a graduate student, and then went on to uh, get a PhD. And so when you were pursuing the PhD in kinesiology, what was your thought? How were you going to apply that to the next phase of your career? Well, that was in addition to the whole notion of what it was like to be an athlete um. and the whole uh, legacy of uh, an experiential piece of how do you become successful as an athlete? So some of this is due to, um, you know, the uh, successful uh, antics of, uh, of, of sports, uh, certainly, but 
uh, it comes back to the whole pers- being persistent, being resilient, uh, you know, when you're knocked down, uh, find ways to get back up. Uh, mm-hmm. But more importantly, having a passion for uh, achieving um, your goals. I, I mentioned that you worked in player development um, mm-hmm. when you were with the Vikings there in the front office. What is player development? What does that mean? Well, at that particular time, it was about um, making sure to be a mentor to the professional athlete, to, to get them to understand there's more to sports and to be able to understand what it's going to be like when they're not playing anymore. So we have this term called career transition, which is in evident in all professions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be in this profession for long. What is it that you, you can equip about? yourself mm-hmm. and, and what, what can you do to help prepare yourself to transition? And, you know, normally the work world transitions us out at the age of 65, but for a professional athlete, and elite athletes is much younger. So we have to adapt some of those protocols and and theoretical concepts to uh, sports career transition, which is really um, for athletes who are in their 30s. Um, So I was really, from a a scholarly standpoint, really interested in that concept. And I I utilized those concepts with uh, my position at the Vikings. And it ended up being a league-wide position as well. And uh, we uh, were able to uh, mentor these athletes who were making uh, gobs of money, but didn't know how to spend them right, (laughs) didn't know how to spend that money right, and give them uh, resources and accesses to a more broader uh, approach to managing their lives. Now, I know that professional athletes are are encouraged to get out into the community. And back when you were playing professionally in in the 1980s, what were what were players doing in the 80s in their volunteer community roles? And, and uh-huh. did you what do you remember about that? Well, because I was an educator, I connected to schools and mm-hmm. social service agencies because that's where I could get my hands on and connect with with youth uh, much readily. Um, uh, yes, we went to hospitals to visit people. We did uh, celebrity bar uh, hopping, you know, and uh, we were we we did other types of community service projects. But I was really more passionate about the educational setting, and at the same time, um, we most of us got jobs in the winter. <laughs> we we didn't make that much money back then. I mean, I, I remember my mm-hmm. my first contract with the Vikings was twenty eight thousand dollars in nineteen eighty one. Uh, so uh, we had alternative careers to look forward to and develop while we were still playing. Because you needed to, right? Yes. Right. And with players today, what do you see? What opportunities yes. do you see with professional football players today? Because well, I, I know you're still yeah. you still do events with the Vikings, and you, yes. you know many of those players and those um, managers. What what opportunities do you see? Well, the era of professional sports is is blown out of the water. It's it's much different than it was when mm-hmm. I was playing. Guys are making so much money now; they can transition into any career that they want to without a problem. And but most of them becomes op, op, become become uh, entrepreneurs, they become business owners, they become property owners because they have the capital to do that. And those are the professions that they choose the most. Uh, they, they do uh, create foundations like I have, uh, but it's really about their passion and what they want to do. So um, uh, ideally, these professional athletes shouldn't have a problem transitioning, but uh, they tend to uh, also have the same problems we did when I was playing. So what do you think would be helpful? Like maybe 
meeting people outside of their circle or or traveling more? What do you think would help them have more impact on others? Well, they have the capacity to meet others. Uh, They have the capacity while they're still playing to become business owners. Consequently, their their, uh, circle of influence is much greater while they're still playing. Um, And I think it's much easier for them to transition. Uh, uh, you don't see that problem as much as you did when I was playing because most of my teammates did have problems transitioning to an alternative career. So getting back to uh, your foundation, the Lewis Sports Foundation, um, I I was mentioning access. Um, I talked to the CEO of the Girl Scouts um, Mm -hmm. uh, this week, and we talked about, um, you know, creating – um, scholarships or meeting that financial need for you know young people who might want to participate in something mm-hmm. like the Girl Scouts or maybe a sports team, but the families can't afford it. Is this something that your foundation is trying to address and making camps and things available to kids whose families maybe can't afford it? Yes, I, I think we have this undercurrent of need that doesn't have to be grandiose. I mean, there's families that, that connect with us who just need a couple hundred dollars to get their kids into a, a clinic or a camp or a program you know, equipment is expensive. Yes, many equipment is expensive, but all of these families need is just uh, some impetus to get to where you know their kids can participate. And we find that that is one um, area of need that is not addressed. Uh, you know, families don't need ten thousand dollars of grant money to be able to be successful or to reach their goals. And uh, we were successful to 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 communicate and connect with over four hundred uh, forty five organizations and families uh, this past year. Uh, you know, we have an all volunteer board, and uh, we we um, have no brick and mortar. Uh, and there's no so, office. There's no offices. Right. So we, we really uh, channel a lot of the resources that we get right back to our constituency. And, and granted, that was one of the reasons why I felt uh, being um, uh, Boreas the 86 of the Winter Car- uh, St. Paul Winter <laughs> Carnival was so important to be able to send those messages to various communities, communities that I wouldn't normally not be able to do. And, um, that was one of the three reasons why I took this role. And, you know, certainly I mentioned the other two uh, because of my family legacy. And then also, this is what I do. I'm an educator in this area of uh, uh, volunteerism, leadership and, and community development. So how does your foundation interact with young people? Like, what are some of the things that you're proud of that you guys are doing? Well, one of the things that I think is really up and coming is that we are in schools. We are um, with two high schools right now where we um have started this academic coach program, which mentors student athletes and other athletes who are in other students who are in extracurricular activity to help give them some more resources so that they can be successful academically. So we're at St. Paul Johnson High School as well as East Ridge High School and, and want to be in more. Um, secondarily, we, we have these scholarships. Volunteers? You yeah, identify volunteers people. as well as staff who are uh, oh. at the schools. Yeah. And you said particularly student athletes. <gasps> Yeah, primarily, but anyone who is involved in um, uh, being involved in cr- extracurricular activity. Right. It doesn't okay. necessarily have to be sports. So what do they need? T- tutoring so that they keep their grade point average yes. up so they can stay in the sport? And maybe yeah. just an, a caring adult that they can talk to? Yeah. You know, this whole uh, statement called life skills is has been bantering around for, for decades. And uh, there is a there is some truth to the fact that, you know, just some common sense may need to be <laughs> discussed with some of these students to make good, good life decisions. And so we're there to help support 
you know, those program efforts as well. What does what does life skills mean to you? Is it I mean, some basic stuff, maybe it, it's hygiene, it's time management, it's uh, managing money. What are life skills? Yeah, I think, what do you they, think? They, that encompasses some of those activities as well. But uh, I think you don't know what you don't know. I think mm-hmm. uh, having mentors in these uh, in these schools, as well as teachers, you know, we, we can't, you know, discount, you know, the effect teachers have on students. Um, they're capable, more capable of being able to deliver these messages, these positive messages to, to students. And uh, we, we hope to have more help in, in those areas. So you're uh, proud of uh, being able to, to send tutors into schools, want to expand to more schools. What else are you proud of or would you like to do? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that um, we are happy about is the fact that um, our relationship with St. Paul Parks and Recreation goes back 30 years. Um uh, we love collaborating with other agencies. Creating events? Yes, creating mm-hmm. events, um, uh, supporting what other agencies do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one of the things that we do with St. Paul Parks and Rec, they don't offer lacrosse to uh, beginners. So we, we provide lacrosse clinics in the summer for them. Uh, um, you know, we provide opportunities for leadership in, in some of those areas. Um, and certainly with other social service agencies who are in St. Paul as well. All right. And it's the Lewis Sports Foundation. If you've not heard of it, now yep. you know. Uh, I have a written question I want to share with you. Uh, this is from Lisa and Wyzetta. Uh, she says she is new to Minnesota, Leo. She moved here from Arizona. And Lisa wants to know what's one activity in the St. Paul Winter Carnival we should not miss. Yeah. Also, she has a one-year-old grandson, so something a toddler would enjoy. Of course. You know, I think one of the things that I really have been happy about is how the uh, royal family, in this case, the St. Paul Winter Carnival, has been seen in all of our parades. We we participated parades. in about 45 parades this year. And uh, the St. Paul Winter Carnival has two parades, one on sat- uh, both Saturdays of the uh, the 10 days. Yep, I have uh, the dates. The, 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 King, yep. the King Boreas Grand Day Parade on Saturday, January 27th, and then the... Um, the Vulcan Victory Torchlight Parade mm-hmm. on uh, Saturday, February 3rd. Yes. So uh, if, you, if you can withstand the cold weather uh, to be able to see the parades and, mm-hmm. and, and all of the participants in those parades, I think is really uh, fun for kids. And, and you can do it within, a, within an hour, you know, um, to, to, to point on a specific activity. I think the, the more activities yeah. you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Torchlight Parade, I see there's followed by fireworks and live music in Rice Park. Um, okay, so we have in your last 30 seconds, um, King Boreas, uh, what did you enjoy the most uh, over the past year being King Boreas? That is very difficult. The parades were probably <laughs> the best okay. opportunity to really showcase the St. Paul Winter Carnival, the, 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 wave. the royalty, yeah, <laughs> you liked and, and who, we, who we were to, right. to, to prompt curiosity among uh, communities that haven't seen us before, but then also just to be able to I have a foundation and be the ambassador for leadership, volunteerism, and community service. King Boreas, thank you for your time this hour. Thank you so much, Angela. It's been a pleasure. Yes, Leo Lewis III, the reigning King Boreas of the St. Paul Winter Carnival. Until he steps down in two weeks when the new king is announced, the Winter Carnival uh, gets started on January 25th. Uh, Leo, of course, spent 24 years with the Minnesota Vikings as a wide receiver and then a pro scout and director of player development also has earned his doctorate in kinesiology and is the founder of the Lewis Sports Foundation. 
This conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom and made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Check out more of our North Star Journey series by going to nprnews.org and looking for the North Star Journey link. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.